Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Get an in-depth preview of the Chicago Bears' next opponent and John Buffone's passionate rants on Buffone 55 Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central. used to this huh it's a triple victory monday why is that bears one uh-huh. socks won last night i'm mm-hmm. not one of these chicago fans that's either a cub or a sock i'm with you i came i came here 20 years ago so i had no allegiance one way or the other mm-hmm. it's not like auburn and alabama you're you're born an auburn fan or born a, a bama fan <laughs> and then of course my uh, buffalo bills won last night and they won in very impressive fashion. We'll talk about that a little later in the show, but let's talk about those Chicago Bears first. So much to cover. I mean, I immediately after the game, we did our Bear football show, and I expressed my jubilation saying this was a total team victory from the coaching staff down to the lowest depths of the team, whatever you want to describe that as. I thought it was a great team victory. Anytime you win, it's it's a great team victory. And when mm-hmm. you win on the road, it's even better. Uh, I, I can't say Allegiant Stadium is a tough place to play in because this is a, you know, this is the first season they've played games in that stadium with fans. Obviously, they played there last year, but it was empty. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed to me there was quite a bit of, as far as number of Bears fans there last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't that I saw lots of, orange shirts or whatever they could have been blue shirts too right um but you could hear when the bears did something good you could you could hear it from the crowd so there was enough people there 
to at least help help the players a little bit. And the players did mention that. A few players mentioned it after the game in the post, you know, in the post-game interviews. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and we've got a couple of people in the chat room who were there and uh, really expressed their uh, appreciation for that stadium. And uh, I know you, later on you want to talk about the Arlington Heights and a possible stadium thing, but let's continue talking about the game first. What impressed you most about the play calling and, and the offense? Now we know it's no secret. Bill Lazor's calling the plays. Matt Nagy wasn't even holding a play sheet, which was – No, called- I disagree with you there. There's a couple times I saw him walking up and down the sideline with the play sheet. Oh, there. okay, okay. Um, but he um, – yeah, Lazer's doing a good job. I, I, I think depending on where they're playing and who they're playing is going to determine what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they want uh, the Raiders are a good team. I almost mm-hmm. said Oakland. Uh, <laughs> the, the Raiders are a good football team, mm-hmm. and I think they went in there with the idea of we have to control the football. And in the first half, they held on to the ball for almost twenty minutes. Now, unfortunately, they lost a lot of that. It, it, it didn't even up, but they lost a lot of it in the third quarter because they couldn't get really anything going, but they did again in the fourth quarter. Uh, the game plan, obviously, wasn't to throw the ball a lot. Um, part of that, I think, is the inexperience of Justin Fields. You're, mm-hmm. tr- you're trying to protect him. Mm-hmm. Uh and I, I think as, as the season goes on, you're going to see him do more. But I also think, to get to my point I started making at the start of this conversation, is where they play gonna, is going to have a lot to do with it. In other words, you'll probably see him throw the ball more next week at Soldier Field if, if the weather's good. Right now the weather's supposed to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, than you would on the road because you're just not going to have that, that crowd noise. Mm-hmm. Etc. Um, and on top of that, and Nagy touched on on his pressure this morning, but really didn't go in depth and probably purposely so. But you know, with with Mike Petton being on the staff here, th- they have an inside yeah. look of of the personnel of the Packers, especially the defensive personnel of the Packers, being he coordinated them for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to know the strengths and the weaknesses better than they ever have of each player on that defense. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I think the offensive game plan next week, some of it will be built around what, what Petten's Intel has to say. Yeah, I, I, I saw and heard that too, Matt Nagy answering a couple of questions regarding Patton's involvement in the game plan. And he was very effusive in terms of any specifics. But so that sparked a question in my mind that I wanted to ask you is, do you think that Patton perhaps, uh, because they're going to change scheme, they know Pet knows what he knows, but do you think Petten's main value is in his evaluation of players on both sides of the ball, offense and defense? This is what they do best. This is what this guy doesn't do best. Do you think that's perhaps Petten's main value this week? Yes. Yeah, I mean, Joe Barry's going to run Joe Barry's defense. Right. So, you know, what, what Mike did previously has no bearing. What he can help with, is really knowing the strengths and weaknesses of each individual player. Mm-hmm. And that's especially, in- especially the weaknesses. 
and, this and is what this is what you can attack at, uh, on this certain player. Right, and that's very very important, right? Right, I mean, and a lot of times you're not going to get that just looking at the film. Mm-hmm. Okay, you you oh, okay. can guess, but you okay. don't know for sure. He's going to know for sure because he was you know lived with these guys for four years. Outstanding. All right, regarding yesterday's game, the, so the Bears' offense uh, is three and out on their first two series, and then uh, uh, the Raiders marched downfield on a ten pl- or a thirteen play. A drive. They uh, kept kept the defense out there a long time, and then I tweeted out, "Boy, the Bears really need a long drive," which they did get. And then I see this tweet. <laughs> I thought that was outstanding because it was. Uh, they took advantage of the mistakes the Raiders gave them, and they just—it was smart play p- calling and great execution. Tell us more about that drive that resulted. Well, I mean, there's no big plays. There are mm-hmm. penalties that helped, mm-hmm. like uh, two or three in a row, if I recall. Mm-hmm. And uh, they used up a lot of clock. They used up over eight minutes. And you know, we don't talk about it that much but time of possession in pro football is huge mm-hmm. especially you know what, what that's why i i mentioned the third quarter if if the bears could have used up some time in the third quarter they would have blown the raiders off the field in the fourth quarter because they would have been dead mm-hmm. okay but they weren't able to do that in, in the third quarter but uh i i just thought the overall the game plan was good uh they wanted to control the clock. They wanted to play a physical football game and kind of drive it down the, the Raiders' throats, and that's what they were able to do. I'll tell you, the offensive line took a lot of heat in the preseason mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, in the Cleveland game. But the last two weeks, the offensive line has been damn good. And, I, you know, my buddy Owen Kruitz, he tweeted out a few times during the game about the play of the offensive line. And there's one, it was a, a gif of um, uh, the Sopranos, uh, <laughs> James Gandolfini smoking a cigar at the Sopranos. And he goes, this is, you know, the, the feeling I get watching the offensive line, you know, and they were, and, and he had another tweet, James Daniels just blown a guy off the line. In fact, I have that one right here, I believe. Here it is. Watch number 68, writes Olin. And 68 is just to the right of Justin Fields right now. So there he goes. And bam! <laughs> I love that. But here's the other thing that I love about it. Sam Mustafer, who has been getting so much crap that I think it's unfair, uh, he does a great job here. He's part of a big part of the reason this was a positive play. Look at the center, number 67, right? Oh, absolutely. Just beautiful blocking there. So uh, if if I get Olin Kruitz's blessing on offensive line blocking, I, I'm really happy. <laughs> I got to tell you what, we got to – I've been on Olin's podcast a few times. Uh-huh. So he owes me one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe – in the near future, we can get him on this one. That would be great. Love talking to Olin. Uh, he uh, haven't, uh, we had him on the bar room about two years ago and he was just so funny. And he, uh, you talk about candid boy. He, he's, he's not going to edit himself in any way. Right. Oh no. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I know Olin pretty well, but I didn't know his kids were as old as they were. Oh, how old are they? He's got a son who's a freshman center at Illinois. 
And he's got another son who is a senior linebacker at Loyola who just accepted an invite to the Polynesian Bowl, which is a huge high school all-star game. Um, You know, so, but I I remember, you know, going back and and probably was when I was with the Bears, so I should know that they're this old, but he goes, you know, his wife would get all upset when his two boys would start to kick the shit out of each other on the front lawn. <laughs> he goes, I just let them go at it, you know, and have fun. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to ask you about the tight end position. We saw Jesper Horstead catch Justin Fields' first touchdown. as a hell of a catch, too, now. Wasn't it? it? It was a great play, right? Here it is, in fact. Just... Fields, he reaches right over the head of the defender there and just grabs it. He really did. Fields did the right thing there because really there was nobody open. If you're going to force it to somebody, why not force it to a, a guy who's got like six inch height advantage, right? Well, on top of that, he could they they could have thrown a roughing the passer flag on this play. Another too. one, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. Oh yeah, he got up a little slow, and then it, it, I don't know if you have the clip after that. But no. after the touchdown, they he's he's on his knees and he's going like this. Yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I did see that. Um, what do you think about Jesper Horstead? I'm a big fan of this young man, uh, converted wide receiver from Princeton. He's been uh, on the practice squad now for for some time. Do you do you think that he's got a future as a top flight tight end? I don't know if he's a top flight tight end. He's a move tight end. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it, it, but he'll give you effort. And speaking of tight ends, like wise, mm-hmm. there was a block by Jimmy Graham in the second half. Saw that. That I I almost tweeted out that I said, "Oh hell with it." The had to be the best block of his career, mm-hmm. not this year, his whole freaking career, <laughs> because he's not known as a blocker, right? And he got down underneath that guy and his legs kept going and he just drove the guy right off the ball and kept going with it Mm -hmm. and and helped the back. And I don't remember if it was Williams or Khalil Herbert, but a hell of a block by by Jimmy Graham on that particular play. But getting back to Horsehead, I I think he's a – you know, when he's done with four years, if he's not – the number, if he doesn't like take over for Graham as, as the number two, mm-hmm. as, as the move guy here, um, he'll probably go somewhere else where he can. And he'll probably get some money. Uh, he's very, very athletic. He runs good routes. He's got great hands. He's just not a blocker. Now, he'll try. Mm-hmm. And the, there's been plays in the preseason where they line him up at, at the Y in tight. And, and he gives a solid attempt. It's just that you know, he doesn't have the power and the ass to to do what some of those bigger guys can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, your evaluation on, on Cole Komet and the type of season he's having now. I know a lot of Bears fans are unhappy that he isn't either A, getting more targets, or B, catching the ball more frequently. What, what are your thoughts? I, I think he's not getting enough targets, but they're not throwing the ball that much. Right. Right. He got tar- he got targeted yesterday now. Mm-hmm. I think five times, yeah. Yeah. So how many times did he throw the ball? 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so what's that tell you? He's, yeah. he's, he got the targets. The tight end position as a whole this season, I don't think has been utilized as much as they want. 
But part of it is you're, you're, you've got to change things up. You've got a rookie quarterback who's played now. You know, Andy Dalton really hadn't played that much. Mm-hmm. Andy Dalton played one full game, the first game. Mm-hmm. Then the second game is when he got hurt and Fields comes in. You know, so it, it, it's really Fields has been in there all except one and a half games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And you're just not going to be able to do – Fields might know the playbook. But I guarantee you they're holding stuff back because they want to be 100% sure that he knows what the hell he's doing when he's out there. And as he gains the experience, sees more things on defense uh, as far as being able to read things, et cetera, they're going to allow him to do more. And and it's just, you know, you, you can blame the coaches all you want. To me, that's smart football. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you he's what he's not doing is turning the football over. Yeah. And, and, and that's important. Right. Um, I was reading uh, Brad Biggs, 10 uh, thoughts on uh column and always excellent. And one of the things he brought up was the amount of times the bears have been running the ball the last two weeks, but he also uh, wrote that that's not sustainable over the course of a long season. Do you agree with that? And that the bears are going to have to eventually throw more in order to win games. Oh yeah, and and what's going to happen is is you're going to start seeing eight in the box, and it's really going to open up the passing game. Mm-hmm. So it, it and and it's also going to allow like last week's game, play action worked very well because the running game was good. Okay, mm-hmm. they really didn't have that opportunity yesterday to use much play action, but if teams start putting a lot of eight in the box to try to stop the run, and we were seeing teams do that last year and the Bears couldn't run the ball, then I, I think that's when you're going to start seeing the ball being tossed in the air more, even check downs and things like that. So it, it's, you know, I hate the saying, but it's true. You got to take what the defense gives you. And if the defense is going to crowd the box and they're not going to let you run, then you got to throw the ball. There you go. Well, uh, apparently uh, they weren't crowding the box, box too much yesterday because between Herbert and uh, Williams, there was almost 140 yards rushing between the two of them, including this beautiful run by Damian Williams for the touchdown. That spin move had uh, Justin Fields jealous, saying he wished he could make him spin move like that. What are uh, your assessment? I know before the game, you said, I got a feeling that Herbert is going to have a great game. Your thoughts on this dual uh, running back uh, 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 coupling by the Bears? I said last week, I think right on on this show when, when we recorded last week, I didn't think there was going to be a huge drop off. Mm. You know, Damian Williams, a quality back problem mm. is he didn't play last year. He chose to opt out because of uh, COVID, but you go back to his last game before this year and he should have been named MVP of the Super Bowl, But I think Mahomes was instead and, you know, probably rightfully so, but a big part of that win was because of, of Williams. This guy's a heck of a back. Now for a guy that weighs, 220 pounds he's not really a power back mm-hmm. but he's very quick he's he's elusive he's explosive he catch the ball and you know we've talked about herbert before right? we talked about him after the draft we talked about him during the preseason this is a quality back and what's going to happen because of that is and i don't know if it's going to be next year or the year after and and the health and status of Tariq collins is going to play into this too down the road, but somebody's going to be gone and Herbert's going to be moved up a a slot, you know? So, and that's just the way business is. 
And and maybe, you know, and I don't know what the contract status is for Damian Williams. I don't know if he had a multi-year deal or a one-year deal. I think it's a um, one-year deal. Okay. So, and, but he's playing good. So now the Bears front office and, and you know, they're tight with the cap. Who knows exactly what the cap's going to be next year, but it's right. going up. Right. And you've got, you, you don't have to pay a quarterback and you got Andy Dalton coming off the books, which either tells me they're going to either pay him again to be the backup if in fact he wants that role and he probably wants to go somewhere where he has an opportunity to be a starter mm-hmm. uh, or do they keep Foles as a backup mm-hmm. or do they go out and get another guy as the backup and then you're going to have all of Foles and um, uh, Andy Dalton's money you right. know, for next year. So, I mean, those are all things for the off season, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's going to play into you know, exactly what the Bears want to do. Right. Um, Big point in the game yesterday. The Bears are in their own side of the field. It's a third down and 11 or 12, and Justin Fields throws this bullet to Darnell Mooney for the first down. That was big-time football, wasn't it? Great route by uh, Darnell Mooney. And, you know, if you you look at at, – uh, fields on that play, you know, he goes through a progression and Nagy talked about it, you know, after the game, talked about it again today, he goes through the progression, uh, sees Mooney, Mooney just sits right at the first down mm-hmm. marker and, you know, gets open, splits the two defenders and, uh, you know, excellent throw, excellent route, huge play at the right time. Mm. And the other thing regarding Fields that has a lot of Bears fans worry is that he he took some punishment yesterday. I mean, yeah, and a lot. <laughs> <laughs> some of it legal, but most of it illegal. Um, I, you know, I, I I don't know if I'll call it illegal. That one hit I thought was on the touchdown throw. Yes, I I, I thought they very easily could have thrown the flag on that, mm-hmm. but he uh, and. Yeah, I guess they got a couple late hit calls on them. But, you know, they that's what's going to happen playing with a rookie quarterback because you're throwing everything at them. Right. You know, so and, and trying to disguise certain blitzes. Like they, they came with some blind blitzes, you know, coming from the defensive backfield or whatever on delays, and he got hammered. And, but I'll tell you, he, he, and, and Nagy said it again this morning, you know, He's as tough as they come, but he goes at the same time, we've got to curtail some of this. And I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, Anything about Justin Fields play that concerns you at this point in his young career? The only thing that that concerns me, it's the same thing I've said week after week after week. He holds on to the ball a little bit too long Mm -hmm. at times, and he just doesn't have the release to get the ball out of his hands real quick for some of those quick passes that the best quarterbacks have. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, if he has a strong off season where they got a lot of time to work with him on that and break that, that habit of that hitch at the top of his uh, delivery, they'll get that done, but it's not going to get, it's not something that's going to get fixed during the season. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the ball, Khalil Mack, and Robert Quinn are becoming quite the dynamite duel as pass rushers. And, and both of these guys might actually split 
uh, defensive MVP votes uh, between them. Uh, your your assessment on the play of the Bears' pass rush overall and those guys in particular? We're getting the play from those two that we thought we were going to have last year. Mm-hmm. Is, is probably the best way to do it. And and we talked about it last year when we started the show and, and uh, what Quinn brought to the table and what it was going to do for Khalil Mack. But now you got to add, a, you know, really two more people. Anna Ocho got hurt yesterday. Um, and I don't know how long he's going to be out, if at all. But Travis Gibson's coming on too now. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it's... And I'll tell you what I liked. Gibson gets a sack. Both Quinn and Mac are on, on the sideline, and mm-hmm. they put the camera on him. And did you see the cheerleading they were doing? Yes. You know, this, if this kid wasn't playing on this particular team, he might be a double-digit sack guy this year. Mm-hmm. I totally, totally agree with you. This guy, I mean, I was excited when he came. He was drafted by the Bears. I knew he was kind of a a, a diamond in the rough, and so frankly, I'm I'm surprised and glad that he's developing as quickly as he has. Now, you've been in uh you've you've been in practice fields for your entire life. Can playing alongside two great pass rushers like that help? the development of a young guy like that? Well, yeah, it's, it's what you're learning in practice mm. from those guys, mm-hmm. you know, and it's as far as, and, you know, d- during training camp, when you have the one-on-ones, you know, the pass rush, pass block one-on-ones, Yep. It, it's what guys like Mac and Quinn can teach a young guy as well as the coaches mm-hmm. on hand use. Hand use is, is just so important. Uh, to becoming a, a good pass rusher. Another thing is arm length. All those guys got long arms. Mm-hmm. Like I, I might have said it once before, but I, I, I know it's a fact because we did a study on it when I was working for the Bears. The common denominator around the league, and this goes back, you know, you can go back 25 years mm-hmm. of great pass rushers is not speed. It's long arms. Really? Really. I would not have guessed that. No, no. Do you think Michael Strahan, who's one of the all-time great sack guys, had, had speed? Mm-hmm. No. Very, very average speed. Quickness, yes, is important, right? Quickness, hand use, but they all got it. They're playing with leverage. Mm-hmm. You don't see a lot of guys with 32-inch arms being great pass rushers. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, uh, Chris Watts wants to know what, how you grade the defensive backs on the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I, I, I keep clapping my hands about my man, twenty-two, Kendall Vildor. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, last last week when um, Stephon Gilmore became available, there are a lot of tweets. Well, the Bears got to go out and get him. Well, number one, they didn't have the money to go out and get him, mm-hmm. and 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 they didn't have the draft picks to go out and get him. Mm-hmm. But Number two, why take the guy off the field that's your future? Stephon Gilmore is 30, 31 years old. Yep. And the Vildor is in his, his second year. Mm-hmm. And you go back, he's five foot eleven. But he and I go back to my long arm thing because I'm big on measurables. Mm-hmm. He's got over 32 inch arms on a guy five foot eleven. That's fascinating. Okay, that makes him that allows him to play at six foot one. Mm-hmm. 
And I got to tell you, I, I met him at the Senior Bowl, and I stood right next to him. I, I've got the video somewhere. I was looking down at him. So I'm surprised that he's listed at 5'11". He's really like 5'10 and a half. But yeah. But, yeah. You know, so what? I, I'm, I was at one time 5'9 and a half, and I was listed at 5'10". I'm, you get you shrink when you get older. I'm probably five eight and a half now. For all I know, <laughs> but you can kick anybody's ass. I know that's for sure. <laughs> all right, what else? On the- I, I, I I should tell you a story. Uh-huh. But I'll, I'll do it off camera. <laughs> oh no! Everybody in the chat room wants to hear it now. No, no, I, I I can't right now. <laughs> very very recent, as like last Thursday. Ooh. Oh, okay. That's it for our show. I gotta listen to the story. <laughs> <laughs> you were very complimentary about the uh, defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears, Sean Desai. Tell me why you like him so much. Well, number one, we're going back to. Very, very similar scheme and the way he's calling the defense to what Vic Fangio did. And mm-hmm. obviously, a protege, he grew up under Vic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like it. You know, it, it's as compared to what we saw the last two years under Chuck Pagano. The defense just, it's the same people. Mm-hmm. Defense didn't play as good. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as Sean Desai grows, he's getting better. And he's going to get better with every game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm going to say it right now: Bears are going to beat Green Bay on Sunday. And part of it, part of it is going to be—it's going to be a close game. Mm-hmm. Part of it's going to be because of Mike Patton. Mm-hmm. Part of it's going to be because of Sean Desai. And I think they're just going to—you know—early in the year, I was watching. I thought def- the Green Bay defense stunk. Now they've played better mm-hmm. in, in, in the last few weeks, but. Use yesterday's example. I don't know if you watched any of the Green Bay Cincinnati game. I did. Okay, the Bears manhandled Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati easily should have won that game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. I was something about that. I do game. that all the time. That's all right. It's all <laughs> um, the, Oh, I was. <laughs> I was going to say their corner, Jerry Alexander, is out. He won't play right. next week. And they're also going to be missing uh, their other outside linebacker. I think it's Preston Smith. Sometimes. Preston Smith, who's yeah. damn good. It was excellent. So the, the, the Bears offense has that advantage going into the game that they're without two of their major players on defense. What did you see out of Aaron Rodgers yesterday? Do you think he's the same quarterback he was at his peak? Yeah, with quarterbacks, because I, I don't know if age – the way these guys take care of themselves mm-hmm. and, and the off-season programs, the the weightlifting regimens and conditioning regimens they go through, you know, we can see with Tom Brady, he's 44 freaking years old and he's still playing like he's 23. Unbelievable. You know, so uh, and, and he's only had one serious injury in his career, and I think Aaron Rodgers has only had one, if that. Mm-hmm. And, and so – it's what's up here mm-hmm. and Aaron, there, there's nothing you can throw at Aaron Rodgers that he hasn't already seen. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it's really playing solid defense. Now what the bears have what will be interesting to see, and, and probably some of this will have to do with Mike Patton, his Mike Patton's uh, input this week is in the last, in the previous years, the bears have, opted to play really more in coverage 
against the Packers, then blitz him mm. because they know he's going to beat the blitz. Right. Okay. He's got an extremely quick delivery. And I, I'm just anxious really to see how the Bears are, are going to defend him this week, whether they're going to do what they have done, because he's going to beat you either way. Right. I mean, you you got to play a perfect game. You got to create some turnovers. Special teams has probably got to create a score mm-hmm. somehow. And you've got to score on offense to control the ball. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It will th- this week's defense. I wish I could be a fly in the wall when they're coming up with their defensive game plan. What do you think about what the, the question here that uh, Toreen asked? Should we double cover Devontae Adams, which the Bengals did on certain plays yesterday? Uh, do you see the Bears perhaps doing that or maybe just uh, having him tailed by uh, um our number one quarter, Jalen Johnson, uh, the entire game like they did uh, against uh, Beckham in Cleveland. Well, in the past, and and this goes back to when Vic was here, Petten did it too sometimes, but not as much as Vic Fangio. They would put the number one corner on the number one receiver Mm -hmm. and play a lot of man coverage. Now, could they do that? Yeah, they could, especially given the inexperience. I I really like the way Vildor's been playing. And I think he shows improvement, you know, every week. Um, but given his inexperience, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their other receiver, Reggie Cobb, he's no slouch. Yeah. Again, very experienced guy. But, you know, I, I think they might do that, mm-hmm. um, you know, given the situation. And you got to make now, the Bears really took out, what's his name, Waller, the Raiders tight end. Oh, my goodness. He, he yeah. was a non-factor in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday, okay, you got to do the same thing with Green Bay as mm-hmm. far as taking Tanya now. Now you want to you want to comp for going back to Jesper Horstead. You want to comp for Jesper Horstead? It's Tanya. Oh, okay, all right. I okay, would Tanya was a nobody when he first came into the league. Absolutely, but Tanya is a better blocker though. Um, yeah, but you, you got to get strong enough, and blocking is you got to have size and strength, but it's also a want to. Mm-hmm. If you yep. want to be a good blocker, you can will yourself to be a good blocker. Well, then I, I'm I'm betting uh, Horstead is going to be a good blocker because the guy's got a great attitude. Um, regarding uh, Aaron Rodgers, it, 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 you basically answered this already, but the, the formula was always keep him in the pocket. Don't let him get out of the pocket and run around to create a six seconds of him looking downfield. And he had a couple of those yesterday. Yeah. And so that's the formula. Keep him in the pocket and force him to get rid of the ball as quickly as possible. Do you think that's what we might be seeing someday with the Packers and Bears? What I'd like to see is like the first half – of 2018, a week after the Bears got Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would That's not- what I'd like to see. We'll see if that, that if that happens. Yeah, and and of course the 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 uh, they're missing their left tackle, the All Pro Pro Bowler David Bakhtiari, who uh, the other guy, the guy playing now, has been playing bad. But he may be, uh, he may be injured too. I just saw in the chat room who was it? Tony uh, said that uh, they may be without Elton Jenkins. Who isn't he moved over to left tackle? I, I don't. He, he may be. I, you know, I'm not totally up to date on all their mm-hmm. their personnel. Uh, they've got guys down on the line. Yeah, There's no question about it. 
hopefully you're going to get Akeem Hicks back. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and and if you've got a healthy Akeem Hicks, uh, and you've got Mac and, and Quinn going on full, uh, you know, all cylinders going, I think the defensive line as a whole for the Bears has played very well. Mm-hmm. The other guys have played very very well. Um, you know, they're they're going to give Green Bay all they can handle. They uh, some of that wishful thinking on my part, yeah, but I just. I got us. There's something about this Bears team this year that I really like. In fact, I'm going off topic a little bit here because I almost tweeted out last night, right after the game, saying, "You know, what's going to be the narrative of 90% of uh, sports talk radio this week?" Because about 75, 80, 90% of those guys want Nagy fired. But the Bears are three and two. They've won two in a row. Uh, they've changed their identity a little bit on, on offense. So, you know, we're, and I haven't listened to one second of talk radio today, but what, what is uh, their narrative going to be now? Because, it's, it, you know, it's what they want to talk about is going out the window. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and you gave a shout out to uh, Kyle Brandt on the Good Morning Football Show, who had uh, a message for Chicago Bears fans. In fact, let me play a little bit of that. Just a okay, few. It was a great thing. Yeah, let me play a little bit of uh, just a few seconds, and uh, we'll uh, get you to play the whole thing. It's only about forty-five seconds. All right. Well, here it comes. Pose a question. Matt Nagy's supposed to be fired, right? You're supposed to fire him, and you're supposed to sell the team and tear everybody down and fire everybody, and everybody sucks and everyone's terrible. Maybe if you were saying that, you should be fired. Yeah, because Chicago. Maybe you should. Maybe all you Bears fans just shut up for a second and just chill out for one second and shut the hell up and let the games play out. Bears are three and two. The measure of a man and the measure of a human being and the measure of a human football coach is what you do when you hit rock bottom. Since rock bottom against the Cleveland Browns, in which Justin Fields was sacked nine times and it was a disastrous game, he's been sacked three times total in two games. They have run for 143 yards and 188 yards, including yesterday when they did not have their number one running back. Um, no, no one should be fired. They're three and two. This is the way it's supposed to look. And um, that game was really, really big against the Raiders. I am very impressed. It was a complete annihilation. People are calling for jobs and saying this and saying that. And those people should be embarrassed right now because it was jerk, neck, jerk, jack. What's the expression? Knee jerk. Knee jerk. <laughs> well, um, I like that neck jerk. Let's use that word. Neck jerk reaction. <laughs> I thought that I thought that was tremendous. And I in all honesty, I had turned on good morning football like five minutes before. Is that right? Yeah. And you know, they they play it. It's like really only it, it, it's really a one-hour segment that they re they repeat that. Hour. And and I I thought that was terrific. Now, granted, he's a Bears fan, but mm-hmm. he's been a very critical Bears fan. Mm-hmm. Yes, he has. And well, and I gotta tell you, I mean, there's still people even after these two victories who still want Matt Nagy out just simply because what he has yeah and what he has done over the last few years do you think that perhaps Mitchell Trubisky would have been a more effective quarterback if uh, Matt Nagy would have allowed Bill Lazor to groom him more and to bring him along the same way they're bringing along Justin Fields now well, number one, the second half of last season, and it might have been more than the second half, Bill Lazor called the plays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, right. so you've, that part of the question is already answered. The rest of it 
is all hypothetical. And I, you know, who, who the hell knows? Yeah. You know, you know, I, I, I've seen a couple things. Well, maybe Trubisky was a lot better if he had a different coach. Mm-hmm. Well, we only know what we saw. Right. And, you know, I, I hope that Mitchell would progress, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they made the decision to move on. And because they made the decision to move on, they got an opportunity to draft Justin Fields. And I have said it a couple of times. I don't know if he's going to be the best quarterback in this class, but at worst, he's going to be the second best. Mm. And, but I think as a whole, this group might be the best first round group in years. Oh. All five, all five are going to be pretty damn good quarterbacks. I'm glad to hear that because I was super high on all five and I was just praying that the bears would get any one of those five guys. Obviously they weren't going to get Trevor Lawrence, but after that, you know, we didn't know if Trey Lance was going to go second or 10th. And I was just praying, give me Trey Lance, give me Mac Jones, give me any one of those guys. Cause well, those- you know, we talked about this right after the draft, the whole key to them getting Justin Fields was Trey Lance going third. Had Mac Jones gone third, mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. no way in hell mm-hmm. the Bears would have had a shot at Justin Heald. Wow. Because uh, the way the, the 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 quarterbacks would have fallen differently, right? Because then, because there was a love affair for Lance from a bunch of teams, mm-hmm. and it's not what he is; it's what he can be mm-hmm. down the road. Now you know you can watch San Francisco's game yesterday. He struggled. He's going to struggle. Hell, he only played one game last year. <laughs> right. and, and, and then the year before, he's playing, you know, he's playing uh, one double-A competition. He hasn't played against the big boys yet, but he's got a lot of talent. And really, that's the same thing with Justin Fields. Mm. There's a few flaws in this game that he's got to fi- uh, fix. His accuracy, though, is is deadly. And then when you, when, when you uh, add in his ability to extend plays and make plays with his feet, you know, and this is what I want, as long as we're talking about it, I'll go on it. That's why I wanted to talk a little bit about last night's game, because that and then you can add uh, Justin Herbert from the uh, L.A. Chargers. Yeah. That's the future of the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Because you, you liken uh, Herbert to Fields? Well, no, it, it, it's how these guys have grown since they've been in the league. Mm-hmm. The, the guy that is the, the remarkable story to me is uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen in college was a, at best, was like a 55% completion thrower. And history has shown us there has never been a guy who was not accurate in college. Now, 55% in college football is horrible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of the way the college passing games are, right. you know, and, and, and you should be up, you know, and I'll go back getting off topic a little bit here, but I'll go, I'll go back um, to the year we took Rex Grossman. And then there was the quarterback. I can't think of his name now uh, from Cal that everybody thought we were going to take. And, and we never wanted, we, and we had talked about that once before we totally rejected him. Right. Kyle, Kyle Bowler. Uh, the Ravens traded up in front of us to take, Bowler, because we, you know, we put out the red carpet for Bowler when he came in, and it was all bullshit. It was the throw up. But anyway, Kyle Bowler was like a sub 50% thrower until his last year at Cal when Jeff Tedford came in, and Tedford 
took them up to 59%. Mm-hmm. Okay, who fouled Kyle Bowler at Cal? Some uh, guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> okay, same offense, same coach, over seventy percent. What's that? What you know? What's that tell you? Yeah. Right. Okay. And and but with with Josh Allen, Josh Allen just was not an accurate quarterback. And when he played against better competition at, at Wyoming, you saw the big arm. You saw the uh, the ability to make plays with his feet, but the accuracy was just horrendous. Hmm. You know, he made some big throws, but the overall accuracy just just wasn't there. And the same thing, really, his rookie year with the Bills, because I watch every Bills game, mm-hmm. and he showed slight improvement his second year. But then last year, his third year, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, his completion percentage jumped by over 10 points. When do you see that in the NFL besides never? Yeah. Right. That's and, a- and a lot of that is the work he did in the offseason mm-hmm. to, you know, prepare and work on his weaknesses. He changed his delivery a little bit. And a lot of times when guys change the delivery, they work out in the off season, but then once the season starts and you get into the heat of the battle, they revert back to their original form, mm-hmm. and then then you lose it. That didn't happen with him, and I I think right now he's one of the. Uh, I, I I was talking to a friend on the phone last night. We were watching the game. A friend of mine back in Buffalo, and I said, "This is like Rembrandt against Picasso." <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's they're two great quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and then you throw probably the the three best young quarterbacks in the game right now are, are those two and Herbert. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're going to, I think fields is going to be right up with those guys, you know, which is going to make the, the league interesting because oh, you know, yeah. Brady, Brady and Rogers are only going to be around so much longer. That's right. Wow. I love that analysis. Um, the fact that Greg Gabriel is saying that Justin Fields is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL that is music to the ears of Chicago Bears fans from all around the world. So that, that's awesome. All right. I well, want to, although just to finish the subject, is that one of the keys is the, it, it's the player. The player's got to have the want to, the mm-hmm. football character, the work ethic to be that great player. Josh Allen has that. There's no question, you know, and then, and, and in fact, Mel Kuyper and I were talking about it. And this was after the draft because I was, you know, in all honesty, I missed Con Allen. I banged him because of his, his uh, inaccuracy and, and like when they played Iowa, he was terrible. They played somebody else, might've been Nebraska. He was terrible, you know, in his final year at, at Wyoming. And I guess Mel knew some people that, that, that were close to him. And they just said, this kid is, is a consummate worker. Mm. He just keeps working and working and working. And from everything I hear about Justin Fields, he's the exact same thing. Yeah. That, that is uh, so good to hear, particularly after there was uh, a misinformation campaign going on during the draft time where Fields' name was being smeared with things like he's the last one in uh, for practice and the first one out. That was re- reported by Dan Orlovsky, and it was clear that he was getting some misinformation. Somebody was, yeah. You know, somebody was using Orlovsky to, to to put out some poor information. Yeah, it was probably awful. some team that wanted to draft him. 
Probably the Chicago Bears or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That is great. Um, Somebody in the chat room, and I can't find the comment right now. Oh, here it is. It's Tony. Uh, He says, what do you think about Ryan Pace's ability to bring in more talent? And I got to say, before you answer that question, I got to say that I have been vacillating back and forth on Ryan Pace is a good GM. Ryan Pace is a bad GM. Right now, I am on the good GM page because I'm looking at all of the talent that's on this roster uh, and I'm saying to myself maybe I've been too hard on the guy well you're gonna have hits or misses every GM regardless okay that that's gonna happen and it's not always yes the GM has the final say but if he's smart he's listening to the people around him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so now when you're when you're talking let's separate the college draft from the uh, from pro free agency, mm-hmm. you got two separate departments. You have your your college scouting department. You have your pro department. So it's it's your guys in your pro department that are grading the the potential free agents, and you're going to have your coaching staff involved. You're going to have your coaching staff involved with with the uh, the college draft also, but. It's not, it's never one guy's opinion. It's a collective opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, having been not in the building with Ryan Pace, I don't know if his, you know, his opinion 75%. I know when I was there, mm-hmm. we put a lot on the scouts. Their opinion mattered. Okay. And, and we would have a minimum of a half dozen reports on, on every player we drafted between scouts, myself, Jerry, the position coach, the coordinator, sometimes lovey. Um, you know, so we had a lot of different opinions on a player and, you know, I'll say this players never as good as the best report and he's never as bad as the worst report. He's always <laughs> somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. but the important thing is how does he fit within the scheme? What can you do with this player? If you get him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've heard that Pace and most general managers are they, – they pay more focus on the top draft picks and then those middle and late-round draft picks that that's totally on the scouting department and that the GM rarely has much to do with that decision-making. He allows basically the scouting staff to to recommend who should go. Is that is there any semblance of truth to that? Um, not totally. I, I, I think it depends on who the, the GM is. I'm going to say when, when I was with the giants, mm-hmm. that might be very true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I was with the bears, not true at all. We spent an inordinate amount of time on the middle of the late round picks and free agents, undrafted free agents. Right. Right. You know, and, and, you know, you're allowed, you were allowed to bring in 30 people for visits Mm-hmm. 15 of those guys would have been undrafted guys we saw as undrafted free agents. And we'd start the recruiting process with them. And we brought them in on the visit and we'd tell them flat out, we're not drafted yet. We only lied to one and we drafted them. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, uh, and, and we had that in mind and, and that guy went to the Pro Bowl. Oh, care to name a name? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, my old age is kicking in. He's from Buffalo. The corner safety who went to the Pro Bowl as a special teamer. And then he oh, went to Baltimore. Yes. Uh, Graham. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. An excellent player. Didn't he have two stints with Quarterback. the then didn't he come back a second time? No, he was here and then went to Baltimore and then went to hometown of Buffalo. Gotcha. Okay. I said, and I might have told this before. There's a story. Uh, you know, he 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 got hurt at Northwestern mm-hmm. and didn't play the rest of his final year. They played an early season game right here at, at Northwestern. And uh, so he hurt his ankle, didn't play the, the rest of the season, uh, really couldn't run for time. One scout made him run, and he ran terrible because he had a real bad ankle. Mm. So some people were using that as a verified time. Well, being that he was from, from Buffalo, mm-hmm. I knew some history about him. First of all, he was all state and track. He won the state 100 meters in high school. Nice. But you knew he, you knew he could run. Right. Second, he ran in a track club during the summer. Mm-hmm. My daughter ran on that same track club. Oh. And so... I called my daughter about a month before the draft. And now this is all a true story. I said, Ryan, that I need some dirt on Corey Graham. I need to, what's wrong with him? Said, Dad, there isn't anything wrong. I go, come on, you, you've known this guy for years. There's got to be something. She said, no, he's the most focused athlete I've ever been around. She had nothing but superlative things to say. And I brought that up in our draft meetings. And then on draft day, when we went uh, to take him, I think we took him in the sixth round. Mm. And reality is if he hadn't been hurt, he probably would have gone in the second or third round. Mm. Quality player. And Lovey said, you know why I want this guy? I said, no, why? He goes, because of what your daughter said. Look at that. So uh, did you pay her? Did you give her? <laughs> you paid for college probably. <laughs> well, you, got, you got four kids now, boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. All right, let's talk a little bit about Arlington Heights uh, Stadium. Uh, you have some thoughts you want to share on that uh, possibility. Well, I saw some tweets saying, you know, various fans saying we who were at the game yesterday, we hope that this is – the stadium where they were at yesterday, Allegiant Stadium, is is similar to what gets built in Arlington Heights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I agree with that. And so, I, you know, just so out of curiosity, I I looked up the cost of Allegiant Stadium, and I don't know what construction costs are, et cetera, out, out in Nevada. I have no clue, but that cost two billion to build. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then there, and when I had Googled it, they also had the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Which, how old is that stadium? Um, I Maybe wanna... four or five years? Yeah, I'll, I'll do a quick search. Go ahead. But anyway, that was only $1.56 I think I'd take Mercedes Stadium over Allegiant Stadium every day of the week, but and it cost a half a billion less. Could costs go up a half a billion dollars in a few years? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not in construction. I can't answer that. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is, you know, the Bears are paying roughly $200 million for that piece of property, which is a huge piece of property. Mm-hmm. My thinking is they're going to recoup almost all of that in future land sale. Once they, they figure out where the stadium's going, mm-hmm. what they need for parking, they're going to sell or lease off the rest 
you're going to see retail hotels. I guarantee you there's going to be a casino there. Oh yeah. And um, when you figure in the cost of selling that off, they're going to get back that 200 million, 198 or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And I I think this is just going to be such a huge moneymaker for the bears in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the 2017 uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium opened. Okay, so it's four, it's four years old. Right, right. Okay, I, I can't understand why there's a half a billion dollar cost difference between that and Allegiant Stadium. A lot it of does, that doesn't make, but it, it could be, that, you know, the cost of, uh, you would think that in downtown Atlanta, it's going to cost more than semi-suburban Las Vegas, you know, in the desert. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's not what the price tag was. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I, I read some comment, uh, I think, and I don't remember who wrote it, but it was from a reputable person saying that uh, this could be a move that will make it more attractive for the Chicago Bears to sell the team that – uh, with uh, Virginia not wanting to sell the team, not wanting to sell her dad's uh, team, that after she's left us, that there are so many family members who want to get out of the football business that the uh, purchase of this land is going to help with the sale of the team. Any thoughts on that? I could. I, there's members of the McCaskey family that, that I personally know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know most of them that never in a million years would they want to sell that team. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, there's probably a few that would want their money. Now, mm-hmm. could you buy those few out? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I, You know, that, that, that I'm not qualified to answer that question. I do not see that happen. Put it this way, not in my lifetime. But then my life, you know, could end tomorrow for all. <laughs> Let's hope <laughs> not. We're going to talk about a Packers win next week. <laughs> Excuse me, a Bears win over the Packers. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about Notre Dame football. Uh, you uh, have been scouting Notre Dame and your thoughts about their latest win. That's not a uh, not a great team, not a great Notre Dame team. But uh, what have you seen that you'd like to share with us? It's not as good a team as as last year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it, it's a good solid. They're five and one yeah. after six games, so they're halfway through the regular season. They're going to get into a ball game. I figured right from the start they'd be nine and three. They may get lucky. You look at the rest of their schedule. I mean, they could run the table. The offensive line is starting to get better. They probably played their 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 best mm-hmm. uh, at Virginia Tech. But the one thing, Virginia Tech is one of the toughest places to play at. It's a very loud stadium. I've been there, I'm going to say, 10 times for games. Mm-hmm. I never saw Virginia Tech lose at home at any game I was at. And, you know, so it's very, very difficult to win there. So winning there on the road, that's a pretty good accomplishment for Notre Dame. You know, going forward, now they got this week off. And they got USC, which is having a down year next week. Uh, I'm going to be going to that game. So um, that'll be an interesting game. And it's a nationally televised game. It's at night. So Excellent. Tony is asking if I agree with you that the Bears are beating the Packers next week. And I have to say, yes, I really, I really have a good feeling 
that the coaching staff is going to put together a game plan that is going to give the Bears every chance. And I like them at home at Soldier Field. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, Justin Fields has his best passing day and that you see him and A-Rob finally develop a connection. Greg, I wanted to ask you about that. Fields has talked about how he stays after practice working with Darnell Mooney, and I'm sure there are other players involved and so forth. But have you seen that before where a quarterback, a young quarterback, you know, practices a lot with a certain player and you see those results on the football field? Yeah, I mean, first of all, good players do that all the time. And it's not just post-practice, it's Mm pre-practice. Yeah, you get out there. 15 or 20 minutes early, and then you stay an extra half hour, mm-hmm. you know, working on certain things. And maybe a coach sticks around and helps them a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, this, it's not like college football where you've got that 20 hour time limit per week, you know, right. between meetings and practice. You mm-hmm. can work as long as you want. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if the guy's got the work ethic and he's trying to improve timing between himself and, and, and certain receivers, they're going to do that work. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Englewood has a question here that I'm interested in your answer. I would like to ask, how did Pace pick Cole Komet over his teammate, Chase Claypool? And the reason I'm, I'm interested in your response to this is because I was a huge Chase Claypool fan. I, I was too. In fact, I'll, I'll say this. I thought you could use as big as Chase, Poole, Chase Claypool is, I thought you could use him as a move guy too. Mm-hmm. You know, and by so, the way, I asked him that at the Senior Bowl, and he almost kicked my ass. <laughs> he didn't want any part of being a tight end, but I know he's you know, a Canadian. He didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you did know that, right? He's, yes, he's from up in the Vancouver area. Um, but yeah, Claypool is a special guy. Yeah, he's well. First of all, move tight end is really a big wide receiver, right? right. Unless they're lined up at the wing and they're going to be used you know, in a, in a blocking situation, but you know, it, it's a good question. Uh, I think Cole Komet is going to be a great player. He doesn't have the touches right now. Mm-hmm. Is that his fault? No, I don't think it's his fault. I just think it's the way things are falling and you're playing with, you know, a rookie quarterback, you know, had, had Dalton been playing, I think you would have seen a lot more touches with him. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's the growing pains we're going through. Now he was targeted more yesterday. And we, right. we mentioned that earlier, like five, right. like five times or something. The irony, so, the irony is, is that young quarterbacks usually rely on their tight ends more. Uh, and, and so that's kind of weird that the uh, fields hasn't targeted tight ends more often, but again, they've all, they've also kept the tight ends more and an inordinate amount to help out with some of the offensive line issues. Well, especially the last two weeks. Two weeks, right. And then, you know, they were without two guys. Uh, J.P. Holtz was hurt. Personal issue. Nobody knows what that personal issue is with mm-hmm. the other guy. Um, be interesting to see if that's cleared up this week. Mm-hmm. But then they use VAR as uh, – uh, Alex Bars as a, a tight end and it, uh, another wide tight end. And, and in fact, I, I don't know if you heard it on, on Maggie's press conference um, this morning. He's, he was saying that, you know, on the plane back, 
Alex Barr's, you know, walking up and down the aisle, kind of bragging, boy, didn't that look pretty good in motion? Yeah. <laughs> and they told him, go sit down. Well, you know. <laughs> I thought it was great to, that they used bars that way. And it, it was a, a, a wrinkle, an innovation, however you want to characterize it that I think presented something new for the Raiders to react to. And you got to do that every week. You got to throw something new or the teams will pick you apart at setting the tape. What you got to do is throw them a pass. There and you got to, and, and, and he's got to catch it. Yeah. Now you, then you got to respect him even more mm-hmm. because you got to, you got to account for him. You know, he's, when he's in there, you're, you're, you're basically saying we're going to run the football mm-hmm. right now. That's, that's what the defense is thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got to pass a little bit and perhaps even even if he doesn't catch it, throw him a ball. Mm. All right. Uh, I am, uh, unlike every other show Greg Gabriel and I have done, I am anxious to end this episode because i got to hear this story about what happened with Greg <laughs> last Thursday. So I'm not even going to tease the rest of the stuff on the Barroom Network. I'm just going to tell you that subscribe to the Barroom Network here at YouTube. You'll get all the alerts as to what's going on. i got to go. i got to hear this story from Greg. Greg, your official goodbye to your fans, please. <laughs> See you next week after the win. There you go. I love the way you think. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.